Hey, everybody. We are very excited to have Brandon Winfield, Winfield on, and he is a paraplegic who has invented an app, and it's called iAccess, and he is here to talk about that and much more. Hey, Brandon, how are you? Doing good, Tiffany. How are you? Very good. Uh, this is like National Disability Employment Awareness Month, so congrats, or not congratulations, I guess, happy NDAM, happy NDAM. It's kind of a weird month. I, As a paralyzed person for 30 years, I feel like they've kind of ramped up the employment stuff, don't you think? Yeah, there's definitely, um, you know, I, I was injured in 2008, so coming into this now, there's definitely been a lot more um, energy and kind of movement behind all this stuff. I've noticed a lot of people that, you know, working in this field that have reached out and it's like there's so many different people to keep up with who are helping with staffing and their stuff for um, movies and being like on TV shows with C talent, some other people as well. So it's yeah. really cool to see the um, to see the tailwind behind it. It's great. And there's so many opportunities working from home for people, too. And that's kind of what we're talking about too this month. But you're our first person or going to highlight. And I know you have a cool story. And people out there may already know about it. But if you don't mind, just kind of sharing briefly your injury story and then we can kind of move on and see what you did after that. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So grew up racing motocross. It was a big passion of mine, something that was definitely more than a hobby. I was homeschooled for it. I was working with a rider coach and kind of training and cool. um, the plan was mm-hmm. to go professional as um, early as I could. Yeah. So at 14 years old, I was getting ready for a national event and I ended up crashing at this race. The bike ended up chasing me down and it hit me in the back. Um, broke my back at the T78. So I'm a complete mm-hmm. injury. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, since 2008, actually, this yeah. was my 14th year being in a wheelchair. And so oh. I spent 14 years not in a wheelchair, 14 years in. Wow. So pretty That's crazy, crazy. thing has been half my life now. Yeah. yeah. I was injured at 14 too, by the oh, way. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 43, so I'm older than you. But yeah, it's crazy how fast time goes after your injury. It really, I mean, that's the way life is, I guess, anyways. But I think being injured at 14 is kind of a hard age. I mean, any age is hard, but you're about to start high school and becoming a, like, find yourself as a, a, a young adult. And you're like, who am I now? I'm a paralyzed person. This is not what I planned on, right? Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And I had like a lot of my identity wrapped up in racing dirt bikes. It's like, right. that's how I express myself. Playing sports is how I express myself. Um, luckily, I'd been, well, I don't know about luckily, but I've been hurt racing dirt bikes before. Okay. I knew it was a risky thing to do. I knew things could happen. So I was able to kind of like take that mindset and adjust and get back to living a normal life pretty quickly and just being myself. I was thankful that I still had my personality right. and yeah. the ability to use my arms and kind of yep. have this freedom. Yep. Yep. So I just kind of took that and hop back into it. But you're right. It's uh, it's hard at 14. You're in high school. <laughs> I'm getting ready to go into 10th grade. Um, a lot of my friends are starting to get their driver's license and go places and go to house parties and do things. And um, it wasn't in my site at the time when I was racing, but like now that I didn't have anything else to do, it's like, that's what I wanted to do. But it seemed like a lot of people, I kind of just left a little bit and moved on with their lives and kept having fun. And so it was weird because it didn't really fit in at at the time. Yeah. 14 year old peers don't really understand wheelchair life <laughs> they very don't. well, do they? <laughs> I think it's hard for them to grasp that. Yeah. There. So I know you went back into racing though. You didn't stop racing, right? Oh, uh, no, I did not. So mm-hmm. when I got out of the hospital, um, my parents know me very well, knew that 
I had to fulfill my adrenaline rush some way, somehow. Mm-hmm. And I started riding jet skis for a little bit. And oh. then I just mm-hmm. remember when we grew up in California, my dad rode street bikes. So we were always out at this track called, um, mm-hmm. oh my God, I, I can't believe I forget, mm-hmm. Willow Springs. Willow we used to go Springs. to Willow Springs all the time in the middle of the desert in California. Okay. But they had a, like a little cart track out there. So I remember watching the races and seeing them go around. And I just thought, it was so cool and it felt like something that I could compete in and compete with everybody else and be yeah. on a similar playing field. And it was that. So we got back into racing those like cool. 125cc go-karts that do close to 100 miles an hour. <laughs> a lot of fun to drive. Wow. How long did you do that for then? Are you still doing any racing right now or are you kind of out of it? So I did it for a couple of years with my dad. And then uh-huh. as I got older, he was like, okay, you're a grown man now. You can pay for your racing. You got to ah! pay for your motocross racing for like years and years. Um, you got to do this now. And it just okay. got to the point where it costs so much money. It costs a lot of money to race competitively. Really? I kind of yeah. figured it did. I don't, I, people that aren't in the world don't understand, but I, I know any kind of racing costs money, right? Cars, yeah. motorbikes. Yeah. It's just like you're, you're using um, equipment that is meant to go very fast and not last a long time. It's not built for endurance essentially. So it adds up quickly. You get mm. in accidents, you bend things, you break stuff in the cart. Um, mm. Tires are not cheap. So did that for a while. Um, so ended up selling it, but now oh, I work okay. with a team that they do 24 hour races, 24 hour oh. endurance races. It's me and a couple of other guys in wheelchairs as well. And then cool. like another person, but we'll go out there and do those races. 24 pretty- hour endurance races. Yeah. Okay. You, you mean you're out there for 24 hours? Is that what you're telling me? No, we have, so you have drivers and you do stints. So oh. you'll do like, a, like you'll be in the cart for an hour and a half or two, and then you'll okay. get out and you'll switch. And like, you have to come in and do a pit stop, fill up with gas, okay. um, do oil changes. I, I think at least once or twice. And yeah, it's like this thing you come in, you switch with another driver, they go out for about two hours. Mm-hmm. So you start at noon and then you <laughs> end at noon the next day. So right around like nine or 10 o'clock at night and you've been doing that for 10 hours, you're like, man, 14 more hours to go. <laughs> you guys sound fun. Who are the other wheelchair users that are involved um, in this? Mm-hmm. So my friend, Brian, Brian, Um, oh my gosh, I want to say it's Brian Hall. This is his last name. I can't believe okay. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. And then Michael Day. Okay. You guys are having a blast. You're like, are you in California still or where you guys live? Oh, Brian Hart. Oh my gosh. Sorry, Brian I'm Hart. Sorry. I think you're right. Brian Hart. I can't believe I was <laughs> He'll forgive you. Um, no, I'm living in Georgia right now. You're We're all Georgia. based out in Georgia. So okay. um, close to the city. Oh, okay. So after high school and graduation, um, how did you get involved in, you know, technology and IT? Because that's quite different than doing motorsports. So how did that come about? Well, it actually came. Um, so I graduated high school. I got mm-hmm. hurt in like sophomore year, graduated high school, went to college yeah. for a year. Okay. Was racing go-karts and was going to be a part of the show. Um, at the time, I just went to community college. I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had no direction and like okay. had no real clue who I was still. And um, went to college for just the first year, racing go-karts, was going to do this show, and just didn't start my second semester of school. So my dad came home one day, he was working in the IT field, and I was just sitting at home <laughs> having fun. And he was like, you go back to school or get a job, but you're not just going to sit in the house and not do anything. I like and your so, dad. Your dad's kind of a hard ass. I like parents like military. that. Military. Yeah military mm-hmm. guy he's good <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh he ended up going to work one day he he worked in the like in the fintech field in it 
and just talked Mm -hmm. to some people said hey if you were 19 years old and you're a relatively smart kid like what would you kind of do like what what would be your path yeah and they said oh Mm -hmm. bring them in you know there's a lot of money to be made in tech like tech is the next thing in the future Mm -hmm. and we'll get them in here we'll teach them how to do some quality assurance testing so started there what yeah so you were test you didn't even go to like school they just taught you (laughs) yeah you're lucky they just brought me in and taught me I got very lucky yeah Wow. Um, I picked it up very quickly um, and I figured what I would do next is learn how to code and um, they were kind of setting up that path for me the guy that was teaching me everything was very smart Mikey so shout out Mikey Nelson and um, (laughs) I just ended up being something I couldn't really get into it was really tough for me to um, dedicate myself to that and be excited to learn it so so that's crazy I so you learned you taught yourself and with someone's help how to program basically not program but test Test, test like the language. QA. Yeah. I could yeah. test it. I could see how it worked. I could read it better than I could write it. But yeah, just mostly testing. When it came to actually programming and doing that stuff, I was like, oof. Okay. <laughs> this is not for me. I don't know if I had the dedication for this. I, okay. So, wow. So, you got kind of doing this QA stuff. So, that was your first tech jobs, right? You're doing this, you're just kind of helping out other people with their tech stuff, right? Yes. So, and that's a nice job. Were you full time working at any place or was it all like freelance work? What kind of jobs were you doing? No, it was full-time. I worked full-time at a fintech company, and then I moved to a company called CSRA, and they would um, be contracted out to, like, the CDC, so I did some testing for them for about a year. Oh, wow. Um, That was was contract work, and then slowly after that, once I realized that really wasn't the path I wanted to go down, I was kind of working on iAccess Life at the time, getting started in that. And then I started doing a digital marketing job um, that my oh. actual co-founder got me. What? Got me so, yeah. That's crazy. I love to hear people's employment journeys, especially when they're paralyzed. Because sometimes when people are nearly paralyzed, they think it's not going to happen for them. But they're you just got to let life happen and things happen. And I think that's so cool that, okay, so you did QA stuff for a few years. I saw. And then I know the backstory on your app, but why don't you share everybody like how you came up with the idea of creating this app? Because you were injured the year smartphones were invented, by the way, 2008. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I think he's kind of meant to make an app in a way, like this is destined for him. So tell us about the app and what was the, um, you know, the thought about process behind it? Well, as you said, smartphones were starting to come out around this time. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was interesting to see mobile apps. Um, I remember I didn't have an iPhone right when everybody else had one. I still had a sidekick. Okay. <laughs> still Go one back. of my favorite mm-hmm. phones to this day. One of the yeah. phones. But um, I remember people were getting Instagram and I couldn't get Instagram and I really wanted to have that. And I started to learn really what apps were. That's what like really publicized apps and made them look cool and fun and like, um, things that were entertaining that you played on your phone, essentially, instead mm-hmm. of just using your phone to call people or text people right. or send emails. Mm-hmm. Or so, surf the web, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was a cool thing that was pretty exciting. And as I started to get older and travel and go different places with friends, I, I quickly realized that places were not made equally when it came to accessibility. Yeah. And I just wondered why we didn't have any information about it, if we had to call somebody email like why couldn't we just have this information at our fingertips and know before we go um I had a lot of issues myself and I was very versatile and able to kind of get around and do wheelies and hop up and down curbs or kind of do stuff like that Mm -hmm. um so I figured there was other people out there that were like me or were more insecure about going out and didn't have that capability that would like to know some information before they went there and felt you know like everybody was looking at them essentially which is how I felt (laughs) So (laughs) 
I went to church with my mom one day and it was a New Year's Eve service. They were talking about instead of focusing on a resolution that you're probably going to give up on in the first month, <laughs> um, how can you help your community? Mm, and it really didn't hit it. me till I got to my car. I went to go reach for my door handle and I really had one of those cartoon moment light bulb <laughs> things of like what? that thing that you're upset about and complaining about, just make an app for it. Like do an app. Like everybody's making apps these days. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, being so naive mm. and it being so early on in that stage, I just thought it was super easy to get an app made and you just put it in the app store, <laughs> then people download it and yeah, everybody knows about it and they're just gonna tell their friends and it's like there's so much more to the whole process, but that's where everything came from. It was just cool. being one to complain and wanting to help other people out and do it in a fun way. I think it's awesome to, okay, so you have this idea for an app, <laughs> which is a good name, iAccess Life. I think I love the name of it. Um, and you didn't actually develop the app. So how do you find people to collaborate with to create an app? Because I think that's interesting. For, it really is. Well, having no real background in this, um, other than just kind of working with some people that knew IT stuff, mm-hmm. I really just started Googling. Um, <laughs> I got okay. on, I looked up app yeah. developers in Atlanta. I was oh. like, hey, okay, I want to build an app. Who develops apps here in Atlanta? Be oh, cool no way. And wow. started to reach out to people and kind of told them I had this idea. And they said, okay, do you have any wireframes? And I said, what's a wireframe? Googled that. And pretty much what that is is just like drawings of what the screens are going to look like and how the app is going to flow. Oh, okay. So I do that. I start to build things and kind of put it all together and I mean, don't get me wrong. I made a lot of mistakes. It wasn't like, I just was like, okay, this is that box check. And then next box check. It was a lot of stumbling and figuring it out and reaching out to venture capital groups when all I had was a prototype essentially. And like, like those are people that write checks for $2 million. (laughs) And I'm reaching out to them with no, no product and no revenue essentially. So I reached out to all the wrong people. (laughs) <laughs> um, and just kept making it happen. Um, eventually, one of the people that I kept in contact with and was telling them about the project, they introduced me to a company called Kiwi Tech and their app development team. And okay. we ended up sitting down. And I told them the story of what I wanted to do and they got excited and yeah. we ended up working together. So they, uh, all the development, mm-hmm. I went to go raise money and uh, was of course, you know, long story short, was able to get the check eventually, but wow. it took a while. And um, once the first check comes in, it helps to get the others um, down the road. I can't. So you started the process in 2015. And then when did the app officially launch? It's like 19, right? 2019. Okay. That's how it took four years, four years yeah. to get that thing ready to go for the public. And when you finally launched it, I bet that was an amazing feeling. It was because we had gone through other iterations of working with some people and it not working out at all and just Mm. completely falling apart and having to start again and kind of feeling down and defeated and like it wasn't going to work but having my co-founder and just surrounding myself with the right people the good support system people that were smarter than I was and then kind of letting go of my ego of I need to do this myself um, and letting other people come in and kind of help me and pick up where I wasn't very strong in we were able to like make that happen and um, it, it's weird because I couldn't wait to get the app into the app store. And yeah. then once I did that, it's like, okay, what's the next thing? Like, it's very, <laughs> it's a very short lived celebration. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome to see it get done. Um, it looked great. The team that we worked with did a great job on it. 
and uh, we got it out there in 2019 and started getting some traction and doing yeah. some to incentivize people. And yeah, it's uh, really picked up. It's cool to see where it is now. I like it. Now, the idea is like it's reviews, accessibility reviews of all around the world, right? I think you have like 45 countries. Pretty yeah. Cool. So mm-hmm. I wish it was 45, like closer to 35. 35, 30, yeah, maybe 45 now, maybe at 45. I am impressed though. Still 35, that's still a lot. And, you know, people, so that you download the app and then when you're out and about, you can review wherever you're at, right? That's the kind of idea. You can review as you live your life so other people can know what the accessibility is, right? When they come along after you. It's really cool. So is there any, I mean, when you came up with your app idea, was there other any other accessibility apps doing the same thing or did you try to make yours better than other ones or were you the first out there? Yeah, so we had to do market research, of course. Whenever you work mm-hmm. with a dev team, they start to look around and see what's already out there mm-hmm. um, and make sure you're not stealing somebody's idea. Right. Oh. The same mm-hmm. thing. So um, we found some other ones that had been out before. Um, yeah. They were very, I don't want to say like very outdated, but they just, it seemed like they got made by somebody that knew how to develop apps and they kind of did the bare minimum to get right. an app out there that was a rate and review thing. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody had really built a brand around it. Yeah. Nobody had really built a business around it yeah. and made any partnerships with anybody to uh, yeah. do more offerings other than just telling people to rate and review. So right. that, that's the it. tough thing is coming to an app and there not being any accessibility information. And that's what people are looking for. So we had to incentivize people. We built a, We built ours a little bit different. We saw what others had done. Okay. Um, they weren't really around or doing any updates or doing anything new. So we kind of saw what they did. We took a lot of um, and, um, insight, like encouragement from um, mm-hmm. Yelp, essentially. Yeah, I was about to say that because you can get some reviews on accessibility over on Yelp if you look, but they're not, they're not like a whole accessibility area, right? You kind of have to dig, I think, for anything yeah. accessibility. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to dig and it's very surface level. We're able to kind of get a little bit more granular with our reviews and our ratings. We do five star on the parking, the entrance, the bathroom and interior space. And then we ask people to leave reviews and kind of give more detail on why they felt a certain way about it. Oh, very good. I know. So, okay. So now all the work you did with all of your app is all, are you home-based and then you kind of work from your house? And cause I think a lot of people are curious about that. And if you need any like work accommodations, you're a paraplegic, so you probably don't need much in the way of that, but can you just share a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So mostly home-based, uh, okay. worked out of a WeWork for a little bit as well. So got to have like an office because it's nice to get out of the house. You have to it's have healthy. to go. Yeah. yeah it's healthy. Yeah. And then <laughs> with people and be with people that are doing you know startup journeys and doing yeah. kind of entrepreneurship things that cool. gives you this like refreshment and like rejuvenation being around people like that to keep going so mm-hmm. did that and then started to work at a building called Atlanta Tech Village here in oh, Atlanta it's okay. the fourth largest tech hub in America um, pretty much it's cool. a 110,000 square foot building they have nice. over 300 startups in there all working on tech products and cool. so I started working there, helping to mentor uh, startups that came through their startup program. Uh, so that's where I go now. I'm usually there Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay. Home mm-hmm. Tuesday and Thursday. Cool. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Being a paraplegic, you don't need too much, but having this yeah. bit of freedom where I don't have to wake up and be at an office at eight o'clock or nine o'clock anymore. That's huge. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. huge. It allows me to like, 
I lay down a lot longer so I don't have to be in my wheelchair for 14 to 16 hours all day. It's nice to be able to like that and kind of like take emails there for a little bit and be horizontal and have that weight off my back. (laughs) So would you ever go back to working full time for someone or do you prefer the lifestyle you have right now where you're kind of doing what you I mean, I'll do whatever I have to do. I'll never knock anybody's job or whatever they're doing to make ends meet. So if I have to go back and work a nine to five, Mm -hmm. I'll absolutely do that. I'm not going to just, you know, (laughs) not do it anymore. This lifestyle is way much better. So I'll do whatever Mm -hmm. I have to do to make, to keep this going, essentially. I think Um, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Been able to do it for about three years now, coming up on close to four years. Nice. Yeah, that's the world we live in now. And I think many people are kind of living that way. They don't have just one full-time job. They're doing just a variety of things and they make their employment work. So I think that's a good lesson to learn, especially if you have a disability. You don't have to do the nine to five grind. It's not always easy for people. Like you said, you'd be in your chair all day long. So yeah. And that's that's the cool thing about, you know, the internet and smartphones and what we're doing now is there's so many Mm -hmm. different channels to um, make your own path, essentially, to kind of create your own thing and use your personality or who you are, your experiences to kind of showcase and reach a group of people that probably want to hear your story. So Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. it really just kind of boils down to consistency and finding something that you want to do and then sticking to it and showing um, a lot of people want the overnight success. And when they don't get it, it makes it hard for them to keep going, but you just have to like, you got to keep pushing it and pushing it and one day you'll reach a certain crowd. Who knows? Like I could reach somebody here from Spinalpedia. That's yep. like, oh, I want to tell everybody about iAccess Life or I want to get some money to I- or invest in iAccess Life. Yeah, whatever we're going to get the word out. Yes. So you never know. So just yeah. keep doing your thing. The more okay. you're there, the more people see your face, the more opportunities that will come. So keep going. I love it. You're, you've really, in, I think it helped a lot of people today just by sharing your story. So I want to say thank you. And I wish you plenty of success in your future employment endeavors. Um, if you come up with a new app, let us know. We'll talk about it. Absolutely. We, uh, we're going to be releasing an updated version of the app soon. So okay. if you haven't yet, check us out. I access life on okay. all social media, essentially. And then you can download us today in the iOS store, the Google yep. play store. We have a partnership with Passport Parking coming out soon that oh. we'll be rolling out to about 70 cities in the next 90 days. What's that? That will be to pay for parking and kind of take care of um, your handicap spot parking in the app. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, you, can, you can pick a place that you want to go to. And if there's an option to pay for parking or park there, you can take care of it right from your phone and not have to get out of your car. Do it at a station, essentially. So, That's amazing. Wow. It'll be, be out in November. Okay. So keep an eye out for that. And download you, what's what's the name again? Passport parking, sorry? Yep. Passport parking. Okay. Very good. All right. Thank you, Brandon. No problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk to you again. I really appreciate it. I'll have a really good day. Okay, thank you. All right, right, bye. bye. See ya.